Today's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who said to, who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Derek, for reading our scripture this morning. And he did read the correct scripture, in case you're wondering. I know we usually read this one at Christmas time, but we did mean to read it today. Six months till Christmas, you know. June 25th. Yeah. We are in the third week of a sermon series on leadership. Who is a leader? What is a leader? A leader is someone who leads or commands and is responsible for others. When that leader is a person of faith, we have an important add-on to that definition. And that is a leader is also one who follows. We lead as a person of faith only in relationship to God's leading of us. God goes first and we follow. We've been sharing biblical principles of leadership each week in the series. And so, quick review, or if you've been here for several weeks or worshiping online, maybe it's a pop quiz. So we'll review each week. Pastor Jeff started us off and said that Christian leaders follow the four C's. Christ-centered, committed, courageous, and what's the last one? Consistent. Good on the pop quiz. Then the next week I talked about how we are called as Christian leaders to have a balance between going and doing, that is serving, and sitting and listening at the feet of Jesus. And when we sit and listen at the feet of Jesus, we pay attention to the three P's as we listen to Christ. Patience, putting aside self and being present. Present to God and present to others. Last week, Pastor Donovan had three more guidelines for us. He said Christian leaders are those who hear from God, are spiritually led and spiritually lead. And the third one was that Christian leaders lead even when the mission is not theirs, meaning it is God's. 
And we all stand humbly on the shoulders of those who go before us. Today, we add two more biblical principles from the story of Mary. Would you pray with me? God of grace and God of love, thank you for so much going on in the life of our church today. As we send the mission team out to Wilmington, Lord, as we baptize a young boy at the early service, And that family joins the church as we baptize Adeline in this service and as their family grows. Lord, that is so humbling for us as a church family that we would follow you and lift to you our children and our students as one. Lord, help us to grow in faith. Help us to grow as leaders. Help us to grow in following you. And now may the words of our mouths, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock, our refuge, and our redeemer. And all of God's people said, Amen. When I was in my 30s, I bought my first house. I remember going into my attorney's office and seeing items on that conference table. There were folders. There were stacks of paper and 12 ink pens lined up in a row. I was so concerned about how many times I was going to have to write my name if we were going to need 12 ink pens in order to get that done. I sat down. And my attorney started walking me through page by page as I signed my name on page after page after page as knot after knot after knot began to form in my stomach. Realizing I was committing myself to this binding agreement with no turning back as I signed on. Nevertheless, the queasiness in me didn't dampen my excitement. When I got out to the parking lot, I remember jumping up in the air as those keys were dangling in my hand because the bank and I were now the proud owners of this tiny little one and a half story house in a wooded neighborhood by a creek and I could not wait to move in. About three weeks later, after I had done just that, my plumbing started making these unusual noises under the house. So I got my flashlight and went into that crawl space under the house. And wouldn't you know that sewage ejection pump was doing things one does not want a sewage ejection pump to do. Rather than ejecting that sewage out to the public sewer system, it was ejecting it out underneath my house. And had been doing that for quite some time. I'm in my 30s. What do I do? I call my dad. And this is what he said. Congratulations, Emily. Welcome to home ownership. This is only the beginning. (laughs) That was not helpful. But boy, was he right. (laughs) In the next year that followed, the skylights leaked. The refrigerator stopped working. The dishwasher stopped working. I had to replace the roof The water heater stopped working and heavy limbs fell from trees and landed on my car and dented it twice right in my driveway. 
and my insurance agent said, you might want to start parking at somebody else's house from now on. Had I known what I was getting into that morning in my attorney's office, I wonder if I would have signed that stack of papers at all. I had no idea what was on the other side of my yes at that time and to what I was signing on. Saying yes to that home carried risks and sacrifices and challenges I did not see coming and yet I absolutely loved that tiny little house. Saying yes to a commitment in life can be like that, can't it? Think of getting a driver's license, buying your first vehicle, starting college, beginning a career, joining the military, getting married, for goodness sakes, becoming a parent, for goodness sakes. Many times we say yes to something far bigger than we are. That is a blessing and we have no idea the challenges and risks on the other side of that yes when we say it. Commitments can be really wonderful and so hard sometimes. The same is true when we say yes in faith to Christ. Committing our hearts and lives to God being baptized, then confirming that faith or professing that faith and not knowing what God will call us to do or the questions we'll have, the wrestling some nights, the peace some nights, the times we'll want to walk away from faith and the times we would not trade you the world for it. How God will change us shape us, save us, and be with us in all of it. We say yes to Jesus when we don't yet know what is on the other side of that commitment, what it means to live into a life of faith. Perhaps we should say whenever someone is baptized, congratulations, welcome to a life of faith. This is only the beginning, and it matters. Today we enter the story of a teenager who said yes to God, to a specific role of leadership with that God, partnering with God when she had little idea what it would demand of her or what the challenges would be. A role that would be incredible and awful and break her heart and put her at risk. And demand more of her than she even knows in that moment. A role that once it starts is not something from which she can ever walk away after she signs on. The story of Mary that Derek read for us today is from Luke chapter 1. It's called the Annunciation or the Announcement. Because it is an announcement of of an angel or messenger named Gabriel, Gabriel to Mary. And that angel tells Mary that she is favored by God. That God is with her. And she is invited to lead in no less than the entrance of God into humanity. 
through the baby Jesus. She didn't ask for this role of leadership. She wasn't praying for it. But here it comes. This calling from God. This leadership position that though children clamor for the role of Mary in a Christmas pageant is daunting and all the hardest parts of a blessing and call from God. Gabriel announces to Mary, you have found favor and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. That's favor. God's idea of what counts as favored is very different from anyone else's idea of it at the time. Think about it. Think about the context of the early first century. This call comes before the marriage is consummated. Mary was poor, lived in a village where everybody knew everybody. You might know what that's like. She was likely uneducated. She was about 13 years old, the normal age for marriage at the time. People had a short lifespan, so they got started early on these things. And Mary was betrothed or engaged to a man named Joseph and a marriage arranged by her father. Being engaged back then carried much more legal weight than it does today. So much so that if Joseph had died before the wedding, Mary would have been considered a widow. So, she's that favored that she will have a baby now during the betrothal period before the wedding. There's an important contextual note to bring up here. To be pregnant before the wedding at that time in that culture was life-threatening because it carried with it the possibility of capital punishment in the form of stoning. Other risks at that time would have been the loss of her reputation, the loss of Joseph, the loss of any future marriage, expulsion from her father's home, and little option for income while raising a child on her own other than prostitution. Add to that, she's a young woman In a culture that values neither youth nor femaleness. A culture that may not have thought twice about stoning her. What does it matter? It was just another girl. Oh my. It's not what the rest of us think of as favored. We think of favored as a life of privilege. Wealth, perhaps, security, ease, no worries, with a trust fund, perhaps, and a charming personality, popularity, good looks, favor means perks, benefits, special treatment, supersize me. Not so in scripture. Not so with God. God has quite a different understanding of favor. Think Abraham, think Moses, think Isaiah, Jacob, Esther, Paul, even Jesus, all favored by God, all living in one risk, complication, and challenge after another, all judged by others six ways to Sunday. And Mary would be too, being favored by God. Stepping into what God calls us to do doesn't take away what's hard. 
but places us right into the thick of what it means to be a leader who serves and loves God and leads and follows and takes up a cross knowing it's not about glorifying ourselves but about glorifying God. And that's trusting God more than the circumstances as wonderful or awful as they might be. That's faith. Trusting what we cannot see. We might say to Mary, congratulations. You're favored by God. And this is only the beginning. Mary asks one question of the messenger before she responds. I'm a virgin, she says. How can this be? And she's given by the angel a poetic and theological explanation, not a biological one. That's left up to mystery. And nevertheless, young Mary gives her assent. Partnering with God to do this impossible thing. Was it at all in some small portion like signing a stack of paperwork to which she was bound for the rest of her life with no turning back? Was she queasy? Did she have knots in her stomach? Was she excited? Did she even know? Here am I, she says, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. We realize that she says that with no idea what will come next. What Joseph will say what the townspeople will say, or if she will survive this. Yet she says yes. Young Mary is a powerhouse of faith. That is leadership. That is giving more credence to what God is doing in the world than to the real life risks within it. That is faith we might notice that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Mary is given in this role the presence of God, the empowering of God, the companionship of God, the very nearness of God, this profound partnership, but no road map on how any of this will go. She trusts God will bear her up. That is leadership as a person of faith. Teach us, Mary, how to do that and how to do it faithfully. Here are two principles to add to your list of principles we've been lifting up of leadership in this series. Number one, leaders trust God more than circumstances. Leaders trust God more than the circumstances. Leaders trust who? God. More than what? The circumstances. We put our whole selves at God's disposal. Mary gives her whole self literally to God's disposal. God's call to leadership might throw a wrench in what we had planned for our lives. It did Mary's. When we follow God's call to lead, We are to be faithful even when we don't know how things will work out or it does not make sense and we don't know what lies ahead. 
with a knot on one side of our stomach and maybe some excitement on the other without the ability to control what will happen. I find it interesting that the angel's first words to Mary are, do not be afraid. It's the first words of almost every angel that you'll find in scripture. Do not be afraid. It's like God knows that's where our mind is going to go first, right? That we're going to be worried, afraid, concerned. I wonder how many times Mary heard those words repeating in her head through all that happened. Telling Joseph, giving birth in less than ideal circumstances, seeing and hearing others threaten her son, seeing Jesus arrested, killed, resurrected. How often did she recall the angel's voice? Do not be afraid, Mary. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Trust God more than the circumstances. In verse 38, Mary says, here am I according to God's word and plan. Leading like this is serving and trusting God no matter what. It's that take up your cross and follow me. Leaders trust God more than the circumstances. Leaders trust who? God more than what? The circumstances. Number two, leaders do not lead alone. Leaders do not lead alone. Leaders do not lead how? Alone. If you want to fail as a leader, do it by yourself. (laughs) Go it alone. Be the lone ranger. Don't build a team. Make it about yourself, your charisma, your strength, your gifts. Let others be more into you than they are into the one who made us all. We lead well. Only as we lean on and point to God and lean on each other. The angel assures Mary of two things. God's presence and the human presence of Elizabeth. Because the call to leadership is hard. And there will be times when we won't understand or know what to do. And sometimes God does feel really far away. And so God surrounds us with people who can show us that God's love and presence is very real and put some skin on it. There will be things that no one else would be able to understand like Elizabeth, as God has called both of these women to do some pretty impossible things. The two women can be real with one another and support each other in these unexpected and unimagined roles to which God calls them. And you'll notice in the next section of verses, the first thing Mary does is go to Elizabeth with haste. Leaders need God and leaders need each other. Leaders do not lead alone. Build a team. And have people beside you. Speaking of leaders. Our own Angie Bazinski was licensed as a local pastor this past weekend at annual conference. That's a huge deal. 
She's been part of this church for a long time. I want you to know that she was licensed as a pastor. And that's something for us to celebrate and pray for her in this new part and in her journey. As she was being licensed, I remembered back many years ago when I was licensed first. I was thinking about that time. There were about 30 of us back then. We were standing in a semicircle and the bishop was coming around to each person, placing hands on each person's head and praying over them one by one. And they were getting closer to me. I was in the M's, so I was toward the end of the pack. And we just heard this incredible sermon about how hard and impossible it is to be a pastor. And I was thinking I wanted to just walk right off to the other side of that platform. Because God had been calling me a really long time and I had spent decades walking away from it. And had finally said yes and signed my name. But as the bishop got closer and closer, God and I had this little conversation. And I said, Lord, I can't do this. And God said, I know you can't. And I said, that's not helpful. (laughs) But the next thing I heard was, I do this through you. Can you be faithful and obedient? I said, I think so. And God said, do not be afraid. Trust me more than the circumstances, right? And do not lead alone. This call to Christian leadership means that we lead only in relationship to God's leading of us. So we are leaders who follow. And Mary gives us a powerful example of how to do that. And say yes to God when we don't know how it's all going to work out. We trust God with it. And we don't do it alone. We all are leaders in one way or another. In our context at work, at school, at home, or in the military, wherever we are. May we be those leaders who trust God more than circumstances and do not lead alone. And may I say to you my dad's words, congratulations. Welcome to a life of faith and leadership. (laughs) This is only the beginning. Amen.